Hello and welcome to the Not Quite Scottish Scottish Football Show. This is our third episode, somewhat belated due to a medical emergency last week, but back nonetheless. This week we're talking crisis clubs, specifically looking at Sunderland. What on earth has gone on there and what can they do to redress the situation? We'll also be talking about the recent IFAB suggestions for rule changes in football, good, bad or just plain stupid. My guest as ever has prepared a team, he's from Ireland and he's going to share his ultimate Ireland five-a-side team, can they beat his ultimate Scottish five-a-side team and he'll also be taking the quiz as well. There are a number of ways you can contact the show uh, through our Facebook page which is not quite Scottish, also on Twitter we are NQS. SFS podcast, get in touch and share your feedback, suggestions and ideas for the show. You can download the show using iTunes, TuneIn Radio or through our SoundCloud page. Please don't forget to share with your friends as well. I'd really love to grow this podcast and make it more interactive. If you're based in Hong Kong and you would like to appear on the show, you're more than welcome to join. I'll happily take anyone who's willing. (laughs) Okay, but for now, let's get on with the show. Okay, my guest today is Mr. Stephen McCarran. Stephen, welcome to the show. Hey, Gav, how are you? Uh, not bad, not bad at all. Not dead, which is good. That's always good. And now, by chance rather than judgment, every single guest I've had do this is a Manchester United fan. And obviously you're no different, which is definitive proof that the show is not recorded in Manchester. No, but great team. Mm. Um, so today you're here representing North, uh, Republic of Ireland. <laughs> Yes, the Republic, the South. Yeah, very clear error there. And as with all of our guests, we'd like to verify that you aren't fraudulently misrepresenting your ignorance of Scottish football. And we're offering up our quiz, which has nothing whatsoever to do with Scottish football. This week, it's the return of the Weird Scottish Place Names Challenge. Five places, all you have to do is correctly pronounce them. Have a go at number one. Frushi. Not bad, that one is Fruki. And number two? Armoy. Ochtermachti. <laughs> uh, very, very close. Number three? This looks French or something. Garoche. Uh, Giri. And four? Finzain. Ah, uh, not bad. Uh, Fingen. And finally, number five? Ah, Findakte. Finechte. So... As ever, our guests perform miserably on the challenge. Um, I think we've established through this utterly useless tool that you're a good foil for the not-quite-Scottish Scottish football show. So we have a few questions for you. Who's the best Scottish player you've seen play? There's not been a lot of them recently, but I always remember Darren Fletcher and Brian McClare from Man United. But I'd have to say from memory, probably growing up watching Celtic Free Rangers, like Ali McCoist used to bang in the goals. Not that he's the best player ever, but he's probably the better Scottish player I can remember out of them all. And who would be the worst? All of them. The first 11 at the moment. Oh, that's very <laughs> dubiously harsh. We could have a very premature <laughs> ending to the podcast yeah. here. Um, I couldn't pick one out to be honest. I don't follow it to mm. be that level, but I always had a hatred for Alan Hutton. Oh, okay. Just is it a thuggish look? Or? Yeah, just <laughs> right back who couldn't play forward and bad tackler. I also he was quite good going forward. I thought that was his strength over defensive. Uh, so on a scale of one to ten, how highly would you rate the game in Scotland? 
outside of Celtic, probably a two or a three. With Celtic, maybe a five. And if you could sum up Scottish football in three words, what would they be? From my point of view, Celtic and Rangers. Okay, very, very succinctly done. Prick. So we will move on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on with the show. So it's been an eventful fortnight in Scottish football. Rangers have rebuilt dramatically in the last fortnight with a number of unknown quantities coming in. The Hong Kong Ranger on Twitter was very happy with the signing of Ryan Jack from Aberdeen and I've got to agree with him, it is an absolute steal. A very good player who a lot of Aberdeen fans didn't have a lot of time for but I think it will be a big success at Rangers and could potentially become a linchpin in their midfield. Uh, There is some concern out there about the unknown quantities who have come in from Portugal and the Americas but Arturo, our Mexican football correspondent here in Hong Kong, fill this in. Uh, to his reckoning, Herrera and Abela, they come with very good goal scoring records and a good pedigree at the various youth levels of international football. Uh, Arturo reserved his greatest concern for Peña. Supposedly his move from Leon to Guadalajara turned sour fairly quickly with him citing homesickness as a source of his unrest, even though Leon is barely a three hour drive away. Alarmingly he has a reputation for wine, women and song which goes ahead of his football career. However, for a lot of Rangers fans, this might be somewhat nostalgic for those hankering after the mid-90s, where there were some real characters there who spent as much time chasing tail as they did nine in a row. Up at Aberdeen, we've seen something of an exodus. Jack's gone, as I've said, alongside Ash Taylor, Niall McGinn, and perennial nearly made-it man Peter Pollock. Grant on the Facebook page lamented these losses, hoping we'd go in for Lindsay from Partick or Liam Boyce at County to keep us competitive next season. As it goes, these lads have headed down south, and so far we've had Greg Tanzi finally join up and Ryan Christie back on loan, but for me, the greatest challenge remains adequately replacing Johnny Hayes, his work rate, his assists and his goals. I guess the one blessing we have at Aberdeen is that McInnes, hallelujah, is going to be staying with us, which for me is wonderful news. He had been down at Sunderland where he was expected to take the reins as manager, probably tripling his wages in the process. As it goes, he turned it down and now seems focused on reinvigorating an Aberdeen side that's lost some key players on the back of that very impressive season. So first question on Sunderland. How bad must things be for him to turn it down? I think they're terrible. They've been they've been on the brink of relegation for five, six, seven years since they came up. Mm. They never really stabilised into mid table. They've pulled a couple of late season escape jobs, from what I can remember. Most recently with Allardyce when he came in late. Would um, you agree that this season's easily been the first one where it really looked like they had nothing in the tank yeah and I think Moyes was a big reason for it is a negative attitude from the start when he took the job was mm. it was pretty depressing to watch considering like how good he could have been we had a lot of people agreeing with that um, Joe, Craig, Luke and Martin on the uh, WhatsApp group I have they're all essentially blaming Moyes yeah. um, for me I think it hints at possibly how good a manager Allardyce is I think Allardyce just has a better knowledge of what he wants, mm. whereas he he makes it hard to beat defensively and good on a set piece attack. And 
I think that's his strong point and that's probably where he's successful in a, a lower down team because they need to focus more so on a counter attack and set piece attack because I think Moyes never really had that when he was with Everton he had a good midfield and a decent forward normally so he had a bit more options Do you think the crisis he had at Manchester United affected his ability to gain respect in the dressing room? I think it had a big aspect or a big impact on it really because uh, he, he's really struggled to reassert himself since that job he, he's taken a lot of flack for the downgrade in United in those three seasons afterwards which I don't think is all his fault mm. uh, there's a lot of different aspects for why United have performed poorly in the past four seasons even this year it wasn't up to scratch with two cups but mm. I mean we've had a, another a comment from Daniel on the WhatsApp group uh, talking about how there's been this gradual disconnection between the owners and the fans and also this incoherent management like there's no real structure to that club yeah I think if you trace it back there to even a couple of seasons ago with Sunderland and the deal with Adam Johnson and the chief executive and not letting the players know what he did I think that really had a big impact on a squad, the squad's mentality mm. and I think the fact that the owner is continually looking to sell is giving no player any confidence in the long term future and they see it as a chance to get set up in England and develop a career in England with the mm-hmm. money I agree entirely and like this season there's no manager the ownership crisis they made 97 million off their relegation but mm. they're over 100 million in debt They've just lost John O'Shea, Jan Kirchhoff, Sebastian Larson, Julian Lescott, Victor Nietzscheby, Stephen Pinar, and Will Buckley. Obviously, and Defoe and Pickford have gone as well. Of course, Everton yeah. and Bournemouth. So there's so Defoe is now fully gone. Well, he was gone a few weeks ago. He oh, signed okay. for a free with Bournemouth with a fantastic mm. uh, bonus scheme for himself. Anyway. He's got himself a great deal. And obviously on top of that you've got Yanisai, Mankio and Denier leaving. What chance do you think they have in the championship next season? I honestly believe they'll get relegated to League One. You think? Uh, I think they're on a downward spiral that won't be fixed anytime soon. And worse than Villa? Yeah, I think you could finally see them drop down. I think the the issue with the selling and they're looking a lot like Hull from last season mm. where Steve Bruce left before pre-season was over and they had no manager and not not enough top level players to go on a pre-season tour I think you could see something yeah. similar with Sunderland this season and we've pre-season. had various suggestions for managers um, some suggestions for Gary Monk before he took the Middlesbrough job uh, Yap Stam and maybe Carlos Carvajal at um, Sheffield Wednesday who do you think would fit well with such a ruined club I don't think any of those managers would take it because mm-hmm. they're with teams on the up uh, obviously middle, Monk went to Middlesbrough yeah I didn't know that Very um, even though but Middlesbrough have got a solid base they've got a good manager or a good owner who's yeah. a local guy Very although they might lose his uh, is it his nephew or his uh, grandson oh Ben Gibson I yeah think. they might lose him this summer but I think Middlesbrough have a better solid base. They mm. just lack the goal scoring for the Premier League. Can't see Yapstam leaving Reading to go to a team like Sunderland, especially. You know, I, I just wonder if they'll become one of these clubs that Gary Boyer is attracted to. You know, like these managers that yeah. seem to follow a crisis. I think they'll. I think they'll struggle to get a manager that will make them competitive. I don't actually know who they would take. They might get someone from League One, mm. or they might get someone from. 
an up and coming Scottish team, but you've just seen Whitkinies, he didn't even want to leave uh, the third best mm. team in Scotland for a team in the second division now. So, second best. Second oh, best. Se- second best. Sorry, second sorry, best. sorry, sorry. You're <laughs> going back to old um, habits with Celtic and Rangers. Uh, I mean, it remains to be seen. I'm, I'm intrigued to see if the fans would accept anything less than a marquee man or the notion of a marquee manager. I think they've been beaten around so much in the last few seasons that their patience has worn thin. Obviously, they had that ownership group that fell mm-hmm. through as well. Like, I think the fans are think, so disillusioned. Yeah, I think there's a still an interest from a fans consortium backed by some Americans. This one has supposedly been with oh, the last Thomas. couple of days. Oh, yeah. okay. So the, the other crowd is a German crowd, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I think it's a long road back and the parachute payments will only do with paying down their debt. So yeah. they'll be long-term lower rung team now I think and speaking of a long way back that probably hints at my opinion on it what's your opinion of Adnan Yanisai what does the future hold for him mid table of Europe he's mm-hmm. um, he's had his chance four seasons it's been well, since he made his breakthrough in 2013 I think he's got the skills but his attitude just isn't there and it's, it it comes from watching and just seeing like it's not just one club saying it now it's different countries as well and mm. managers coming out and saying he doesn't have the work rate he expects too much and he's got all the skills but maybe he just needs to do something like go to France or go to Holland this lower down league and give it a shot and yeah it's kind of maybe, works for De La Feo yeah, not necessarily a lower league but didn't really get a look in the, pro- the skill probably merited at Everton but he's being linked with Barcelona now, so he can't be doing too bad. Nabri as well, who used to be at Arsenal, yeah. was just signed for Munich. I think the best thing United could do is sell him with a, a buyback clause. Mm. Yeah, get some cash. The pay, or the pie. Whoever. Yeah. <laughs> so Stephen, it's time for the Scottish-Irish quiz. So let's see how you do. Um, previously, our guests have done pretty poorly on these quizzes. Um, yeah. It's always the Scottish aspect we do fail on. Well, as we've established, you have a great love of our game. So. <laughs> <laughs> so question one. Of the three Irish players who have generated the highest single transfer fee throughout their career, two of them have played in Scotland. Can you name them? I think Robbie Keane will be one. He played a lot. I can't remember who he played for up in Scotland. Though. I'll give you that one. It's Celtic. Yeah. and I, This might be a strange one, given that he was... Not made a lot of money, but Roy Keane, he was the world record, or the British record at one stage. Okay, so your answers there are uh, Robbie Keane and James McCarthy. James Who for, I think it was something like 13.6 oh, okay. million to yeah. Everton. I was going to say Damien Duff, but I didn't think he played up there. Well, I thought he was actually the second highest yeah, transfer yeah, 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 fee. because he got sold when, with Newcastle and Chelsea and all mm. that. He made a fortune for Blackburn, I think. So question two, like James McCarthy, there have been a number of vile, filthy turncoats who have opted to represent Ireland despite being born in Scotland. I'm going to give you the first name of four of them. Can you complete the name? The first one is Owen. Gibson. Okay, I'll give you some details. He was born in Paisley. He got one cap for Ireland in 1994 and is more famous as a manager. McGoldrick. Okay, that would be Owen Coyle. Oh. One cap for Ireland. Uh, the next one played all four USA 94 games for Ireland, got 22 caps and six goals. Born in Govan, his name is Tommy what? 
Tommy Coyne. Yep, correct, Tommy Coyne. Uh, next one, nice and easy. Born in Glasgow, 73 caps, 6 goals, and scored the greatest goal I've ever seen an Irishman score. It's Ray Howard. Yeah, a brilliant goal against, one against the Italy. one against Italy. Yeah, I remember watching it with my mum and my brother. I watched it last night when it happened as well. I remember, sc- and I wasn't really into football at the time, but just screaming like a maniac. I remember eating popcorn when it went in. <laughs> and the next one is um, Aidan McGeady. Yeah, nice and easy. Eighty-eight caps, amazingly. I didn't know he got so many. Yeah, he's turned into an average footballer. I don't know the talent he could have been. Oh, for sure. And only one Irishman has gone the opposite way. This was William Maley who happened to be the first ever manager of Celtic as well. So interesting fact there. Uh, Question number three, Scotland or Ireland? Who has the upper hand in head-to-head meetings between the two sides? It's been pretty... played a lot more recently, but I think historically probably Scotland because they had a better team throughout maybe the 60s, 70s and 80s. Yeah, you're correct. By some distance as well, Scotland have won 48 and Ireland have only won six, yeah. with six draws. Question four. Of the Scottish-based players capped in the last 12 months, only one has been on the pitch for the Irish national team. Can you name him? Scottish-based, so he's playing in Scotland. Mm. Nah, I'm lost. Uh, the recent transfer from Aberdeen to Celtic, unfortunately. Oh, Tierney. Uh, Johnny Hayes. Oh, Johnny Hayes, yeah. yeah. Tierney's yeah Tierney's plays for Scotland and number five one of your favourites here ex-Celtic and Man United Irishman Roy Keane was referencing which Scotsman when he said not liking a manager can never be an excuse for not doing your best he was talking about a player which uh, manager was he talking about Ferguson actually it was David Moyes So you didn't do too badly there. You um you got a few questions right, especially the the names of the Scottish based Irish players. Yeah, a few of them were a bit easier. And you can remember ninety four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for our next topic, there's been a mixture of consternation, enthusiasm and some bewilderment across the footballing world this week after IFAB announced a range of ideas, and I should stress that they are just ideas. Uh, for ways to improve the beautiful game. Let's take a look at each one in turn, Stephen, and run through our respective thoughts on them. So the first one would be the fact that a penalty kick is a closed affair with no rebounds. What's your opinion on that? No, that's... uh, You may as well make every set piece and every stoppage a closed affair if that's the case. The penalty is the penalty. If it's saved, it's open play. If it's the bar, it's open play. But... A better way to stop the encroachment is to pull it back and make them take it again. I mean, I, th- I think it's a fair point, but I don't think it ever happens, even in clear cases of encroachment. Yeah, uh, oh, it definitely doesn't happen, but it's the same with every competition. You kick a ball up in the air, there's two players pushing each other to mm. get the ball. Like It's the competitive, competitive nature of the players. They always want to be in front. As a defender, you're trying to stop your forward. And as a forward, you're trying to get in front of the defender. So free kicks, corners, they all have the same push and shove. But you're stopping the rebound from being an active part of the game. So I think it's a, I think it's a poorly thought out idea and it probably won't make it anywhere. Else. I think it's one of these things as well. Like when you go to a live game, there's nothing better than the dichotomy between the rage and then the 
instant delight when the rebound goes in for yeah. the save penalty. Oh yeah, the excitement when you get it, the second one, especially for the guy who missed it. And the disappointment of the keeper lying mm. face down in the mud. For sure, raging at his defenders yeah. for not, not encroaching quick enough. <laughs> um, what do you feel about the second one, which is the notion of rolling free kicks and corners? Love it. Really? Love it. Yeah, it's a fantastic idea. Just, it would stop back chat to the ref, crowding the ref. It would stop the attitude of players running in to shout at someone, to push a player. If you got a foul and were able to take it to yourself and keep going straight away that defender can't go to the ref and complain he's got to get back into position and it, it'll take a while to get it but personally from playing rugby we have a quick tap someone tackles you within 10 metres of that quick tap it's another one 10 metres up if he mm. does it again it's a yellow card do you think it will um, ruin the kind of majesty of a free kick no I think people will still want to take the free kicks around the goal at the same pace as they do normally. So I think you'd still have that aspect. But I just think it will cut down on tactical and like, you know the type of foul someone mm. break in and, you know... One-on-one. One-on-one. Yeah. It, it'd cut down on that and it'd increase the speed of the game. Because if you foul a man who's breaking, the ref just lets it play. If the next player takes it, it's like an advantage. I think it'd be very beneficial. I think it would change the dynamic of the game for like corners and things where you know you're not going to bring the big guys forward so much necessarily. Mm. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that one's actually got some some legs. Yeah. Uh, the third one was um, if a ball was handled on the line, it's a goal. Yeah. You agree with that? Definitely. This is one of the ones I have a contention with because not every shot goes. A clear angle to the goal, you know that. Oh yeah, no, of course. Uh, there is situations where it, it could be going wide, but that's when we have TV replays. Mm-hmm. So that's they're already trying that in the Confederations Cup and in friendlies over the summer. But I so think this is where the class golf and football is going to come in. So that's possible in the upper echelons yeah. of the game. Are we going to have separate rules for the Scottish Second Division? You know that. Yeah, well, it's going to be one of those things where. Hopefully the refs get it right, but you've got to implement top-down for mm. commercial sake, I suppose. But I see it as, if you handball it, it's a goal. But I would say it's not a red card. It's just a yellow card as in anywhere else. If you're going to be given a guaranteed goal, yeah, I think avoid the red card because yellow and a goal is punishment enough. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this support for this has come from the Suarez situation. Yeah. You know, it was a very... It was one of the most appalling things. Yeah. And it's probably because it's him, you know, I've got to accept that. But I think the way they celebrated with him afterwards is what yeah. made it worse. Well, he's standing in the tunnel. Yeah. And, and it was the worst. If they hadn't shown that on TV, I think people yeah. might have been more sympathetic. I think, yeah, he just rubs people up the wrong way. So I think, yeah. What's your opinion of the idea of 60-minute matches with the clock stopped each time the ball goes out? Nah, man, that's that's... NBA, that's NFL, that's basketball, that's American sports. It's it goes against everything that I think football is. Like forty five minutes is the game. I don't think the TV companies would accept it. It kind of makes it a bit more unpredictable how long your game is going to last. Well, there's issues with that in every sport because you've got the the likelihood of an injury and you know if something happens, like mm. it is what it is. But I think making it sixty minutes and making it stoppages is 
manageable, but like that's possible at the moment anyway. They don't need to. So when there's a substitution, the ref stops the clock. But even then, like one of the things that drives me crazy, and when I used to go to our Bros games, the wind is fucking howling in every mm. direction. There's no benefit to be gained from move, the goalkeeper moving the ball from the left yeah. side of the box to the right, kicking a couple of divots. You know, it's a good minute lost, and yeah. it used to drive me nuts. But there's a there's ways around that as well. Like anyone who takes a minute, yellow card. This is a fair and call, but a hot ball, throw it in. So mm-hmm. they lose the benefit of a free kick, their throw in, their corner. You t- you take too long because in nearly every other sport, there's a time clock on the amount of time you have this for is, your kick. This is true, but I think football is so primitive, certainly in a journalistic sense as well. So like last season, uh, Scottish ref, I think it was Bobby Madden. He started penalising tugging in the area, mm. and it lasted one week because I think there was a multitude of penalties given, bookings given, and it was riled against. It yeah. was seen as ruining the game. I think something like that could happen in that situation. It would. It would happen with Leicester this season as well, mm. where they oh, were sure, struggling yeah. in the first half of the season because is it Morgan and Hoot mm. couldn't grapple, and they struggled along the set pieces, but. Once they came back and let them do it, they just did the same thing. But For instead sure, of yeah. letting it keep going, and, and the players will adapt. Once you start getting red cards and penalties given, they'll, they'll step off. Do you think they would adapt to point deductions for surrounding referees? Ah, man, that's not manageable. What's surrounding? How many mm. is this around? One person can harass a ref up and down the pitch. Yeah, I think it throws in far too many players. I think if, if you look back to one of Rooney's best goals, he's literally standing there mounting off to the ref, I think Mike Riley against mm. Newcastle, and that could be classed as harassing a ref, but then he just strikes the ball and scores a fantastic goal. So, like, the definition of surrounding the the way you surround them, that's so you can view it so many different mm. ways. It's yeah, just, I agree. What What do you think? This is the stupidest one for me. The most pointless um, pre-match handshakes between officials and managers. <laughs> Let's go for the respect on that. That is idiotic. It's stupid. Um, I think a more effective approach would be touchline bans for this nonsense. Like Arsene Wenger, I'm an Arsenal follower, but Arsene Wenger is on the fourth official's case for even the slightest decision. Mm. And there's no recourse as far as I can see. But they're screaming at this guy who has no real power to intervene isn't probably going to intervene. I don't understand it at all. I don't see how this resolves that. I think this is more just respect for respect's sake. They don't respect him any more or any less because they shook his hand. Mm. It's like the pre-match handshakes between the teams. Like It's irrelevant. Well, it's the suggestion as well that they don't have any communication outside of that match when managers communicate... Officials are at yeah. Premier League clubs often. You know they're familiar with one another. Oh, of course. Yeah, that's not going to stop. I mean, I think this is just pointless, utterly stupid. Yeah, and I think it's just for TV. Just yeah, to make the the children see that oh, we respect the refs, and when your parents and your club should be showing that anyway. So well, I mean, even if they bring in a post-match handshake, it'll be like the managers. The cameras will be trained. Yeah. What do you think he said? Yeah. It will just make it'll, more issues. Really, like interviews at the end, they'll be afraid to say anything wrong. Because mm. they don't want to be caught up. It's it's pointless media driven. Um, go and one of my favourite ones again. Not sure why, but uh, goal kicks can be passed to defenders within the penalty area. Yeah. I think this is great. I think it's a, a fantastic idea. Yeah. I think it's your free. 
your kick. So why can't you kick it to a guy in the box? He's on your team. Yeah. Like as long as the opposition or outside whatever guidelines you have, it's like a corner kick. You can take a quick corner if the guy's standing beside yeah. you, but the defender has to be ten meters away. Same rule applies in the Well Man City have been doing it this season, not in the box, but just outside. Yeah. And teams got wise to it, and they're pressing right. It, it's brilliant. It's so oh, entertaining, especially with their keeper being yeah. good with his feet. In but quotes, it allows you to build up that pressure. So if you're good at it, you can actually push up, pressure that defender, and maybe make him lump the ball up where you've got a better chance. Yeah, for sure. And then the last one we got is um, video evidence. It's not part of the IFAB, but I'm just intrigued from when we spoke earlier about the potential golfing class between football competitions. Uh, what's your opinion on the video evidence? From from my experience, so I, I play rugby and top level has video evidence, club level doesn't. You just play it. You get used to it, you wish you had it, but mm. you hope the refs are up to scratch and they get the decisions right, and unfortunately sometimes they don't go your way. Yeah. So there's going to be this this disparity between top level and bottom level, but that's at every level of sport. like. We can't focus all the money on video evidence, but if we get it right, then why not? It's about time where if a goal is a goal, it's a goal. It'll be interesting to see which of them they choose to bring in and whether whatever the reaction would be to that. That's one for the future. So Stephen, as part of your appearance on the show, we always ask our guests to come up with an 11 of some kind of your favourite players, dream players, all this kind of stuff. This week, I've asked you to make your dream Ireland and Scotland five-a-side teams. So can you share your team with us, give us a little bit of colour, and then tell us which one would win? Alright, so for my Irish team, I picked Shea Given in goal. So best keeper I've seen play for Ireland, although Packy Bonner is a hero back home. Then at the back, I put Paul McGrath. Ooh, ah, Paul McGrath. He was one of the heroes. 1990 and 94 in the World Cups. And... Played through the pain with no knees for multiple seasons. Midfield, we got a wee battler here, Roy Keane, running around the pitch, tearing up every other player. So, for my two attackers, I picked Damien Duffers, one, nice and fast, quick on the ball, good attacker. And a bit of an outside one, I cut Robbie Keane, because I don't rate him, even though he's the record goal scorer. <laughs> and I'm torn between Liam Brady and Ray Houghton, because... Both of them were exceptional at their time, but I think I'm going to go for Ray Houghton because he's a scorer of great goals for Ireland throughout his career, especially in World Cups and Euro 88. So that's given McGrath, Keane, Duff and Houghton. Great team. So Scotland was a bit harder. don't really know <laughs> too many from recently, but... Everyone seems to have a lot of trouble finding good Scottish players that they can justify including yeah. in any team. So this is more from memory than uh, anything else, and there's one I just like the idea of. So Jim Layton in goal, former United player. I remember him being dropped for the FA Cup final in 1990. Alan Hansen, standout for Liverpool during their dominance, way back when I wasn't born. Uh, Graham Souness, probably one of the better midfielders ever to come out of, and Rockhard. Gary McAllister, great in a dead ball, good going forward, likes a goal. And Dennis Law, one of the Holy Trinity United. And yeah, just a fantastic goal scorer. So yeah, that's my Scottish team. And which one do you think would win? 
torn. I just want to see Sunus and Kane fight each other. Well, I was just thinking when you said about McGrath having no knees, I think yeah. that would upset Sunus because he would have nothing to break. Yeah. He's a dirty bastard. Oh, terrible. He's filthy. <laughs> but you know, I'd like to see Sunus and Kane battle it out just for a bit of dirt. Damien Duff is an interesting inclusion because I never really... I know he was a good player, but mm-hmm. I did, similar guess when you think of Aidan McGeady having yeah. 88 caps, I never really thought of Duff as like a... Well, Duff was the best winger for Ireland for maybe five, ten years. Mm-hmm. And then, to be honest, I think I think the Scottish team would take it just because Dennis Law up front, more of a goal scorer. But I think it'd be a close contest and we'd probably come off with less than five on both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I think, think McAllister yeah. as well is like my favourite... Scottish player ever yeah. again I, I don't know if I mentioned it in previous podcasts but the the season with Liverpool is just like yeah. we, I don't know how to describe it because I'm not overly nationalistic but I was very proud of him yeah. even though I have no affinity with Liverpool Leeds whatever and they, had, they had a great season that year but it was really good yeah free French as well at the time for sure yeah. captain in the end I think I think he's still there yeah, he? I'm not sure about captain but yeah he's definitely a key part of the season mm. he scored a goal in the final against Alaves wasn't it yeah I think a free kick for yeah. who would you have managing your Ireland team Jack Charlton yeah it's got to be I was watching when I, when I was preparing for this podcast I watched Ray Houghton's goal and there was a documentary after it about Jack yeah. Charlton going insane at the FIFA official. Yeah. Have you seen the this? John Aldridge against yeah, yeah. Mexico game. Oh, he's yeah, going he ape shit. And he's like, Funny story, Jack Charlton, you had a summer home in my hometown. He used to go there fishing every summer. Yeah, yeah I used to meet him always around town. So he did have an affinity with Ireland. Yeah, he used to go there salmon fishing, most popular salmon river in Northern Europe, River Moy. But yeah, he'd go there every summer, go fishing. And what was the opinion at the time when he became manager? Obviously, around that time, as you said earlier, you had that stream of English players coming to play for Ireland. I was a bit young to know about the opinion, but by the end of it, he was loved. Yeah. They made him hard to beat, put him under pressure of football, lump it up and get a goal off Niall Quinn or John Aldridge. Yeah, it was interesting like seeing that team again. Tommy Coyne playing for... Yeah, a national side against Italy. I think he had a part in the goal. I think he nudged the ball off the Italian to lay up Houghton, but he could have. I can't remember enough. But yeah, maybe. <laughs> and would you have uh, Bertie Vokes as your Scotland manager? Ah, man, you'd have to put Ferguson in there. Yeah, and yeah. no room in that team for Chris Martin. Who's he? Chris Martin is the greatest Scotland striker, wink, wink, ever. No room for Stephen Fletcher. Nah, man, who are these people? Jordan Rhodes. Jordan Rhodes, no. Man, Kenny Dalglish couldn't even make it. <laughs> All of these guys were supposed to be our heroes of the future. I thought you were on about the cold place here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pleased to see Griffiths actually get a game for Scotland in yeah. the recent international, which, again, my record for predictions on this podcast is shocking. Right. I predicted that Aberdeen would get mauled in the Scottish Cup final. Oh, yeah. They didn't for about 65 minutes. Uh, I predicted that Scotland would get mauled by England. Yeah. Uh, I predicted that Arsenal would get destroyed in the FA Cup. No, no good. None of them came true. So I'm predicting that by the end of this week, I will have a smaller cock. Ah, maybe. Cut it off, man. Yeah, we'll go with that. The smaller cock and ten fingers. Feed it to the dog. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, Stephen, that's the end of your spell on the Not Quite Scottish Football Show. I'm sure we'll have you on again. Um, Sounds good. like it. Yeah, we'll have a few more shows to come before the... uh, 
the well, the show that will preview the new season. But in the meantime, if you can leave your feedback on the Facebook page, which is not quite Scottish, uh, our Twitter handle is a bit complex. It's um, NQSSFS podcast. Uh, so if you want to leave any feedback there, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, again, our aim is to make the show as interactive as possible. But for now, hope you have a good week and tune in next time to the show. Bye.